It's time for JT the Brick. I can't tell you how emotionally upset I get when I talk to him knowing that that man should be in Canton, Ohio, and for whatever reason, the Hall of Fame can't get that right. The countdown to Canton is on. We were the best team. We deserve to be world champions. I'm proud of you. Tom Flores. I have tears in my eyes right now just thinking about it. Charles Woodson. You know, I, I went out there and I played my played my heart out each and every Sunday. As these Raiders are inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, we honor them on Raider Nation Radio. Just win, baby. <laughs> the countdown to Canton is on. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Great to have you, JT, inside the Raiders headquarters in Henderson, Nevada. The first day of training camp, the first practice. And really excited to be inside the building, talking to the Raider Nation all over the globe on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. because of that streaming app on the Raiders mobile site. Download it, tell your friends about it so you can hear it when you're outside of Las Vegas. We really appreciate everybody who streams the show, listens to the show, especially now that it actually feels like Raider season today. First day of school, first day back to work. Yesterday, the players reported today they were out there on the field, running through practice, running through drills, and I had a great time. Great to see a lot of friends, good people in the media, people within the organization, players and coaches, and obviously a very spirited day out there as we open up the show brought to you by PT's, the best happy hour in town. Anywhere you go, wherever you go, you know about their happy hour. 50% off drinks, 5 to 7, and from 12 a.m. to 2 a.m. They're the only one who does it in town, and they do it bigger and better than everybody. PT's fuels the monologue. One thing about John Gruden, when he runs a practice, it's all out. It's an all-out practice. He He does not screw around. He looks at it as a taskmaster who looks at the clock. There are clocks around the field. And there are periods. And Gruden, as I noticed today, looks up. He has assistance. And every second is used to the maximum. Because Gruden, over the years, wants more practice. He wants practice in pads. He wants the guys, when they're on the clock working, to get as many reps in as possible and be as productive as they can possibly be. I saw that with Gruden's first run with the Raiders. And obviously, since he's come back. There isn't a person on God's green earth that will ever criticize John Gruden for the way he runs a practice. It's elite. It's super elite. From the days he was in Green Bay with Mike Holmgren and Brett Favre to his years in Philadelphia with Ray Rhodes as an offensive coordinator and his first run with the Raiders with great players and Al Davis on the sideline right next to him. John Gruden doesn't mess around at a practice, and we saw that today. In the open period, when they were stretching, he was going up and down the line, high-fiving people, getting down as guys were stretching, talking in their ear. He was excited. He brings energy to the practice field. And then when the teams broke up into individual groups, Gruden goes from group to group as he's mostly working with the offense and Derek Carr, and his energy is electric. And he's excited about that, and they run play after play after play, and they run it fast because if they can run an extra play or two extra plays, they get in more work than another team. I mean, Gruden is amazing with this. You saw him when he was on TV, when Gruden had his television show, and if you look at Gruden being a grinder and what he did at his QB camp, 
Very efficient, and that's what he's known for. And it was just good to see that here again today, that his coaches understand there's no screwing around. If you're on the field, you're on the field and you're working. I spent a lot of time over by Tom Cable in the offensive line. The offensive line also runs drills at a very, very fast pace. Cable runs them ragged. Thank God there's water by them. I was standing with Peter King, who's in town, one of the great insiders here. And I I stood with Peter King for a half hour. And we were talking, and he was asking me some things, and I was asking him some things. And we were both looking at the offensive line and Alex Leatherwood and Colt Miller and Andre James and some of the other players here. And I was just marveling how Cable was just pushing them so hard to run these basic drills that they've all run before. So my takeaway today was interesting. There are some players who are wearing masks. I'll let the Raider insiders tell you who they are when we have them on. Most of the players were not, the majority of them, because they're vaccinated. And then uh, several of them spoke to the media uh, down here in Henderson, and I was there for that, which is very encouraging to hear the players speak. Everybody seems to be very excited. Uh, Two players that I wrote down that I was very impressed with was Malcolm Kuntz and Carl Joseph for me today. Carl Joseph, I watched him. He was sprinting around the field like he was a rookie. He was running all over the field, talking to teammates in a leadership role. He looked fantastic today. I know they're only running drills, and they're running certain drills, but it was good to see Carl Joseph back uh, wearing the Raider practice jersey out here today. I'll get into it. Uh, What I'd like to do with you today, because we're inside the building, we're going to have a couple of guests. We're trying to wait and see who we're going to have. Former Raider running back Frank Hawkins is going to join us as we count down to Canton with Tom Flores. Also, Jeff Sherman, a Vegas insider on some of the odds affecting sports right now. We're supposed to get a Raider or a coach in the second hour, and then we're wide open to take your phone calls on what is a really busy day. And I'd like to have a little banter and back and forth with you as training camp is underway officially. And I thought we did a hell of a job not jumping the gun. Over the last month, I've been doing sports talk. I haven't been doing Raiders talk because there was no Raiders talk that met our standards on this show. I wasn't going to do filler and fluff. I wasn't going to sit there and just do Raider talk just to do it because you got to have good quality content. And today I think the content starts where we have an opportunity as we count down to Canton for Flores to actually talk about practice, which now I can open up the phones and I can really hear what you think about particular players on the team now that they're here. Now that they've reported to the team, they're at practice, they're healthy, and they're out on the field. You know, this isn't like you calling me six weeks ago. Hey, JT, what do you think is going to happen with the offensive line? Garbage radio. Didn't matter. No one cared. No one was here. Everybody was on vacation. They're all here back to work today. So now we elevate our game on Raider Nation Radio at noon. And I want to hear from you on some of the big things that you think we should be looking for at training camp. The, The position battles. And I wanted to have fun today to open it up, and I wanted to do something unique with you, the listeners on Raider Nation Radio. Who's the one player at this training camp who is here that you're putting on notice? Who's the one player? I haven't done this. I I don't think I've ever done this to start a training camp. It's usually fluff. But I wanted to do that today because I wanted to prove that there's a sense of urgency like Gruden's practice today. So you want a topic? 
That's a pretty good one. Who's the one player you're putting on notice in training camp? Which means a few things. Number one, he has to get better. That means he's going to be here. Could be Derek Carr. It could be Josh Jacobs. It could be Carl Nassib. It could be whoever you think. They got to get better. They might already be good, but you want to see more out of them. Or who's the player that you believe is on the cut line already that needs to have a tremendous camp to keep his job? To keep his job. And then finally, who do you think is the breakout player on this roster who was invited to camp who can push a starter for the job? Which is really what the next few weeks are about, everybody. This is my 23rd year starting today with the Raiders. 23 years. The whole thing about the preseason is about who's going to make the team. It's not about how many yards Carr is going to throw for. We don't care. We can do that the week after they lock in the 53. Okay, how many yards Josh Jacobs is going to run for? That doesn't matter right here at the end of July. What matters the most is who's going to make the team. Whose ass do you want in a uniform? And whose ass do you want out of here? 702-365-9200. Pretty simple. You Raider fans know the depth chart of your team, I think, better than any other fan base in all of football. You know every player on this team. You know the history of this team. You know every number that was worn by the legends. So I'm going to put it on you the next two days as I'm here live from training camp in Henderson. Who's the player that you're putting on notice? Which is a nice way of me framing it. You can do whatever the hell you want with it. You can come as hard as you want. Just keep it clean and don't make it personal. 702-365-9200. The player that this is it. And he better get going. And I'll go first. I think this is a make or break season for Damon Arnett already. The good news is Arnett has put on 20 pounds, reportedly 20 pounds, a complete wake-up call in the offseason competing for his job back that Casey Hayward has as a two-time Pro Bowler coming over from the Los Angeles Chargers. And he's competing for slot corner consideration where he can get his ass on the field and play even if he's not starting a corner, he can play slot corner. Mike Mayock put his neck out for him, and they took him in the first round. At that time, I did not think he was a first-round pick, but I understood the philosophy. The Raiders didn't have a second-round pick. They weren't picking till the third. Damon Arnett easily would have been gone by the third round when the Raiders picked again. So they found the player that they wanted, and they took him early in the first round because that's when the pick was. They also couldn't trade back. They didn't have that opportunity. It didn't work out that day. Very similar to the Leatherwood debate that we have. Why did the Raiders take Leatherwood in the first round? I talked to Peter King about that today privately. Well, my philosophy was he wasn't going to be there when they picked in the second round. They could have took Trayvon Merrigan the first round and flip-flopped them, and they'd have the two players on the same team just paid differently with their rookie contracts. But Raider Nation doesn't care. You just want Leatherwood and Merrig to both be starters and both play very well. So the player that I'm putting the spotlight on, I'm putting on notice, is Damon Arnett. Because he played at a very high level at Ohio State. He played in the Big Ten. He didn't give up touchdowns. When they did throw at him, they didn't complete a lot of passes. He came into the NFL 
And I really do believe he has built-in excuses. He had COVID. He was injured. He missed games. So he's a tough player to judge in regards to his upside because we've seen no upside other than the tape. And we know his job's on the hot seat because Gus Bradley, John Gruden, and Mike Mayock can't afford to have a player out on the field who can't play or can't play at a very high level. So I am going to put him at the top of my list in regards to what's going to happen there. Damon Arnett. Now, I had a few options of players who I think got to play at a very, very, very high level, and they got to get it done. But I'm going to start today because we got a show tomorrow and different guests tomorrow. So I go first. I say the player that I'm putting the spotlight on and on notice is Damon Arnett. I think he knows it, and I hope he's up to the challenge and he can get it going and play at a very high level. Who do you got? 702-365-9200. Aaron Rodgers. It's Simone Biles and Aaron Rodgers. Those are the two biggest stories in sports. Nothing close. Not, the NBA draft is tonight, uh, tomorrow night, no one cares. So here's for Aaron Rodgers first. Wow. I, I was at practice, so I didn't get a chance to see it, but I looked at some of the sound bites and listened on my phone. I think he came in scorched earth. Aaron Rodgers at his press conference, and he, he got everything off his chest. Here's part of what Aaron Rodgers said earlier today in Green Bay. You know, Green Bay isn't uh, uh... – you know, a huge vacation destination. People are coming here to play with me, uh, to play with our team, and, and knowing that they can win a championship here. And the fact that I haven't been used in those discussions was one I wanted to change moving forward. And I felt like based on my years, uh, the way I can still play, that that should be a natural part of the conversation. Um, as that progressed from that point, nothing really changed on that front. Um, so we got into March, and the conversation changed. Um, as I felt like, uh, if you can't commit to me past 2021, and I'm not a part of recruiting process and for agency, if I'm not a part of the future, then instead of letting me be a lame duck quarterback, if you want to make a change and move forward, then go ahead and do it. Um, that obviously didn't happen. Wow. I mean, there's more sound coming up later. I mean, he went scorch earth. He basically told everybody in the media what he thought today. Green Bay isn't a vacation destination. They come here to play with me? Whoa. Oh, really? And then he mentioned Charles Woodson, Julius Peppers, all the other players that they did, Aaron Rodgers didn't think Green Bay handled well on their way out. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's got balls and power? and doesn't give a crap about what anybody thinks, it's now Aaron Rodgers. This is going to be the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, he gave you a little bit today at the podium that he doesn't care, and they're not going to be able to corral him this year. And he's going to have games where he loses or something happens where he's going to be an unbelievable press conference. It's going to be remarkable. So that was a big-time story there. And before we get to your phone call on the Raider player, that you're putting on notice. Simone Biles withdrew from the individual all-around final. And this is really disturbing that she did that because she pulled out of the women's team competition with her teammates, and they got a silver medal. And for her not to compete in the one event that she dominates, because she's the greatest gymnast of all time, clearly tells you that there is a mental issue going on with her. She is not right. She is not in a good place. 
and it all came to a head at the Olympic Games. It didn't come to a head at practice or a couple of months ago or just a blow-up moment or a bad day when she was back here in the States. Something happened that triggered her while she was in Tokyo. It could be the lack of her family around her. It could be COVID protocols. It could be things that we're not aware of. It goes back to Larry Nasser and the issues involving the gymnastic team and how they weren't protected by a predator. This is really, really heavy. But this is what I believe is arguably the greatest athlete of all time pulling out, not in the prime of their career, but in their biggest sporting event of their career. We have no experience on this topic. As I told you again, the only things that I could come up with was Scottie Pippen coming out with 1.8 seconds to go. And then the big one was Roberto Duran in the middle of the Sugar Ray Leonard fight quitting and saying no mas. That was a mental issue with him. He didn't, there was something mentally wrong with him. Roberto Duran, hands of stone, one of the greatest fighters of all time, could not go on. And it had nothing to do with injury. It was all mental. So I have no experience with this, nor does anyone in sports psychology. There's no one sitting behind a desk at Harvard or Stanford that could go on a radio show and say, hey, uh, this is exactly what happened to her. They'd be lying. It is a massive story. Massive story. I don't know if it'll hurt or help her legacy. I think as a lot of people have tweeted out, whatever's happening to her now, if she could help raise awareness and help other young women and men, but mostly women, go through this, if they feel like they can step away from their job, something in their personal life, sports competition, and tell the world they're not comfortable, that will help a lot of other people in a similar position. But you can't tell me that this society that we live in today would ever forgive a male athlete the way we're going to forgive Simone Biles. You cannot explain that to me on any level. There's no way you can explain it to the audience or anybody you know. If any professional male athlete did what Simone Biles did or something similar, that athlete would get run off of social media and run out of professional sports. Luckily, she has such a great track record behind her, and she's the GOAT. Maybe we'll just look back at her career before this and say it was good enough for me. She was suffering some issue mentally, and she couldn't compete in Tokyo, and we'll move on. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if she's going to get endorsements, lose endorsements. Either do you. So that's why I say if you want to discuss that, we can. But mainly today, it's all Raiders, as always, because it's back to work today, live from Raiders camp. And we want, to, we want to actually call out a player today in an encouraging way to talk about that player who needs to be put on notice because this is their job and their job is on the line over the next month. 702-365-9200. Ruben in Vegas. Start us off, Ruben. How are you? Good, JT. Good. Hopefully everything's good with you. Really quick, uh, I passed by this morning I, uh, uh, before practice started. I happened to catch the charter buses pulling in. Is that for the rookies or these charter buses that are bringing in the players? Yeah, they're bringing in the rookies here, and I'm sure they're players that are spending time over at the M or where they're coming in from. But, you know, players don't, they don't stay here, so I, I assume the veterans coming in from their homes and a lot of the rookies here that don't have a place to stay yet. Yes, you're right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I was in the area this morning and had a delivery, and it just felt good, man. Back yeah. from school, you know, ready for the season to start. I'm pumped up. Um, you know, another thing really quick, congratulations to Coach. 
Tom Flores, mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, yep. C. Woodson, and the Violator for the Hall of Fame. And uh, players on notice, I mean, I want everybody to be healthy and make it through the camp and let's, you know, get a, a good roster up now. But let's get Abrams and, and Furrow, man, uh, Cleveland, you know. Mm-hmm. Do better, you know, especially with Abrams. He looks like a beast, like a heat-seeking missile, but he needs to play more, you know, smart football, not, you know, hard-nosed bullet football, whatever. But those are two players I got on my list. Yeah, those are good ones. Appreciate the call, Ruben. Thanks for checking in. Opens up a phone line for a Raider fan in Vegas who we should be hearing from or a Raider fan internationally or nationally who wants to jump in as we open up live from camp, 702-365-9200, the player that you're putting on notice. Uh, Cleve Farrell's really interesting to me because he's healthy, he's big and strong, he's very physical, and I don't know much about his leadership because I didn't go to Clemson, but they drafted him to be a leader. Okay, so he's supposed to be the first one here in the morning, the last one to leave. He's supposed to be the leader and a guy who brings in a captain's type of vibe. I'm sensing... I'm sensing, I don't know this to be true, that Nicholas Morrow is that player now on this team that John Gruden and a lot of people believe has a leadership quality of him that jumps off the field. Well, that's got to be Cleland automatically. He's got to fight to be the captain of this team and be the leader because of his pedigree and where he came at Clemson. And fortunately for Clee Farrell, he's got a couple of good things going for him. He can play multiple positions. He can play off the edge, and he can play in the interior. And hopefully he's going to be able to do that. I just saw in a drill today, Quentin Jefferson beat his man up front and come around a block like he was shot out of a cannon. And I was pretty impressed with that, too, because I've been saying for a while, at least the Raiders have three or four guys now, four guys competing for two starting spots at defensive tackle. That's going to be an unbelievable position battle that we're going to get into over the next couple of weeks. Matt's in Hoboken on the Raiders mobile app. Hello, Matt. What's up, JT? I, I agree with you totally on, on that. I think, in my opinion, he's also the guy who's on top notice. And just because he, he was such an early draft pick, he's such a flashy guy. I remember a few weeks back you mentioning his social media, so I took a look at it. You know, he's got that music career. So he's got it. Guys who, who, who do those kinds of things have to back it up and be good players. There's no, need for, a, there's no need for a music career. There's no need for a music career at any level when your job's on the line and you're playing to stay in the league and to compete for a starting position as a first-round pick. There's no need for a secondary career. There's one career. It's playing starting quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders. Couldn't agree. Couldn't agree with you more. And that's that's exactly why I brought it up. And it, it makes you question where where his commitment level is and his heart is. Now we don't really know where it is, but it just makes you question it when you see those kinds of things. And if you compare compare him to Trayvon Mullen, you take a look at his social media, and he's working out all the time. He seems like he's doing the right things. And how much can you really tell from social media? But it is a snapshot. It is a snapshot of what's going on. But but since you said on that, I'll bring up I'll bring up Corey Littleton as someone who I think should be on the hot seat. Uh, because, you know, you really – you can't have a good defense. You look around. Name, name good defenses throughout the history of the NFL who didn't have good linebacker performances. So he's got he's to really perform. And he's been an extreme disappointment uh, as up to this point. And I think if he really performs better, uh, the team will be better, especially, particularly the defense. Excellent phone call, Matt. Appreciate it. That's what our call to action was today. 
Appreciate you calling as we talk about that in sports radio. My call to action in the monologue is what player are you putting on notice? And he had a few, and Littleton is the one that I think we're going to hear the most from. But you can go on the offensive line. You can go anywhere. I'm just interested. I want to get the feel. I was at practice today. Very encouraging energy out there. Attendance. Vaccinated players. Very excited. One of the more exciting times I've ever seen coming into training camp because a lot of these roster spots are full. They're full. We're not looking at six or seven spots for competition. We aren't. Those spots are all taken. There's just two or three. Maybe just two. But other players who think that they have their job locked up, like Corey Littleton, it was nice that Matt brought his name up and said, yeah, we need a little bit more out of you. You know I love Five Iron Golf, the premier indoor golf facility in Area 15 with eight simulators giving you access to play the world's best golf courses while enjoying drinks, food, and fun. Their league play starts Monday, August 16th. Leagues are for everyone, new players, avid golfers, and everyone in between. So sign up as an individual or as a team. Sign up now at fiveirongolf.com slash leagues, fiveirongolf.com slash leagues. Tell them JT sent you and you'll get $100 off. Call them now, Five Iron Golf. I'll tell you why, because you can play in a golf league on the weeknights and play the best golf courses in the world with brand new equipment and compete with your friends. It's that good, Five Iron Golf. When we come back, we count down to Tom Flores and Canton with one of his former players, local legend Frank Hawkins, big part of a Raiders Super Bowl run, good friend of the show. And we'll talk about Tom Flores and his rise and finally getting into Canton. Big show today. Got a lot going here the next two days. We're inside the Raider facility in Henderson. No better place to be as training camp is officially open on Raider Nation Radio. Well, you know, he's just got to keep being Darren Waller. You know, he, uh, he has done a, an incredible job uh, playing wide receiver, tight end, in the slot. He's come out of the backfield. He's smart. He's versatile. He's a complete player. He can block, pass, protect. Um, you know, I just, I've never been around a guy that's that unselfish, that talented, and that versatile, and that complete. Uh, we got to continue to build around him now. We got to get some of our young receivers. Um, take pressure off of him and we we've put some more things in our playbook we're going to be a lot more demanding of Waller going forward we got to continue to try to probe some matchups and get him in places where we, we can get him the ball this JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders JT, back with you, joined by Remy Martin this Saturday as they team up for excellence with Trey's for the ultimate all-day party. The day starts at Trey's Beach Club with a live performance by Wiz Khalifa and a bottle special on Remy Martin VSOP 1738 and XO. Don't forget the Botanist Gin and Mount Gay Rum Pitchers. Doors open at 11 a.m. And then Trey's Nightclub will be hosting the ultimate live performance. Two chains with Remy Martin bottle specials all night long, so don't miss the epic day by purchasing your tickets or tables at dresgroup.com. Remy Martin, always teaming up 
for excellence. So there's John Gruden talking about Darren Waller. And we're going to get to some Derek Carr sound because Derek met the media today. And Vinny Bonsignor asked him about Henry Ruggs III and how they get him going and build on that chemistry. And I thought it was unique that Derek talked about Waller because Waller's a wide receiver statistically. 100 catches is a wide receiver, not a tight end historically. And you can line up Waller anywhere you want, and he can go out there and put up these incredible numbers as a wide receiver. So if you're going to do that, then what are you going to do with Ruggs? You have to get Ruggs going this year. Have to. So we're hearing Gruden talk about Waller. We're talking, hearing Card talk about Waller. Ruggs is going to have to fight for these balls on his own. He's going to have to come into the huddle. He's going to have to build a relationship with Derek Carr where he can demand the football. You know, I talked to Fred Bolitnikoff about it and Raider Mort and other people about the beginning. And I'll ask Frank, Frank Hawkins about this too because he knew Cliff Branch well. But to finish my thought, when Cliff Branch came into the league, he had a lot of drops. He didn't make a lot of plays initially, and then he developed into one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. Ruggs has got to do that from here on out. He's got to build off a first year that was a disappointment due to lack of playing time, due to illness and not playing, and now this year he's got to explode. Frank Hawkins, one of the greatest college backs of all time at Nevada, Super Bowl 18, Super Bowl champ, and played for Coach Flores. Frank, as we count down to Tom Flores in Canton, how are you, sir? I'm wonderful, JT. How you doing, bro? Really good. I wanted you to share a few minutes with us talking about your friendship with Tom Flores and what it was like to play for him. What were those first memories like for you and Coach Flores? Well, I got to tell you, um, when I was a rookie and I got there, uh, well, we went to a couple of the training camps uh, before the real training camp. So, But when we first got there, it was just the rookies. So I got a chance to spend some time with Coach Flores and Ray Wilsey, who was ultimately the running back coach. Uh, but Coach Flores from day one, he was just a class guy, uh, the right temperament, the right personality. Uh, he made every guy feel like he was coaching you yourself, and he was supporting you and looking out for you as an individual. What was it like to talk to him? Because I know you have running back coaches and offensive assistants. If there was really something that you were frustrated with or wanted to talk, was his door always open? Yeah, oh, for sure. The, the, the thing I like about I can tell you two quick stories about Coach Flores. Well, I could tell you more, but I'll tell you these two, and then you can ask me more. But when, when I was a rookie, uh, in through all the way through my seventh year playing for him, I, could, I used to stand right beside him. If you look at uh, any of the footage for 81 through 88, I was always standing next to him. And he'd be walking and talking, and I'd be walking right behind him. And then he would say something, and I'd say, I'm ready, Coach. And he'd say, okay, go in. So I would run in plays uh, when, you know, they were doing hand signal. That was one way when I first got uh, to play more. And then I played on all the special teams. But the thing that, that I liked that I developed a relationship with Coach Flores is we used to run plays four and five times in a row. And, for example, we, we had a play called 12, 11 and 12, man. That means everybody would double team, and it would be me one-on-one with the linebacker. And if I removed the linebacker, then Marcus Allen had a clear path or Kenny King had a clear path. We would run the Bob Trejo and the 12, 11 and 12, man, 
over and over and over. And it got to the point we just raised our hand and Coach Flores would run it again. We had the we had a huge offensive line in Bruce Davis. Well, before when I first got there as a rookie, Art Shell, Gene Upshaw, Dave Dalby, and then uh, after those guys left, Bruce Davis, uh, Henry, yeah, Henry Lawrence, uh, Henry Lawrence, and and that's the one great thing. He listened to his players. He understood because he was a player. He was an assistant coach. He was a head coach. He ultimately was a general manager. So Coach Flores, and from where he came, you know, we, he went to Pacific uh, uh, College back in those days. So without question, he was well-rounded. Hal Davis groomed him for the position. And even though we were all pissed that it took the NFL so long to put him in there, we have so many other players that should be in there. But hopefully Coach Flores opening the door in the very near future will have droves of other Raider greats that he coached and helped develop that should also be in the Hall of Fame. Frank Hawkins joins us, Raider legend. So, Hawk, let me let me stop. You're telling me you were smart enough to figure out if you stood right next to him, you'd get a couple of more plays per game, per season, because you're the guy that's running the play. You figured that out. Hey, 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 hey. And he used to make, <laughs> he used to make Al Davis so mad because Al Davis would say, do not give him the ball. I only want him to block. <laughs> and as, as you said earlier, Coach Flores knew I could run the ball. And uh, he'd give me the ball, and, you know, a lot of times I ran for 100 yards or two or three touchdowns in the game, and, and I would just be steaming. But, you know, I, I agree with Coach Flores. The most important thing was the win. We didn't care how we won, just as long as we won. What was Coach Flores like after a big loss? Oh, my God. Okay, let me tell you two more stories. I'm gonna Remind me about the loss. But Coach Flores just carried around his game plan in his hand, and he would always roll it up. So, you know, eight and a half by 11, four or five pages. Then you, they went to uh, where it would be on, in plastic. Mm-hmm. But he'd roll it up. And when he got, like, ticked off at practice, because, you know, the Raider greats, they would sit on their helmets. They wouldn't tie their shoes. Uh, it would be like a walk in the park doing tour days. Guys would have martinis at, at the uh, break of the first game. I mean, at the first practice. And just stay out there until the second practice. So there was a lot going on that. We make Coach Flores mad, but he would when, you, when he was really pissed off, he would fold, roll his paper up and he'd hit it in his in the palm of the other hand. So he'd take his right hand, and hit it in the palm of his left hand, and everybody would say, "Come on, guys, come on, guys!" Now, Coach is pissed off. Come on, everybody, do what you're supposed to do. Let's get back to doing the drills because you know there was uh, all kinds of different legends, which means we had all kinds of different personalities, and the weirder you were the more Al Davis wanted you to be a part of the football team. But Coach Flores dealt with that uh, very well. And uh, so he didn't have to yell and scream because we knew when he was upset or not happy with the way either practice was going or the defense was acting or the special teams weren't doing what they were supposed to do. So because we admired and respect him so much, uh, he didn't have to yell. He had all of his other assistant coaches and, and of course, the great Al Davis that would yell at us. But – uh, that wasn't Coach Flores' personality. He was a loving, caring, sharing guy. The M Resort Spa and Casino brings us Frank Hawkins, once a Raider, always a Raider. You know, it's interesting. You look back at John Madden, and John Madden had some wild players. We had Phil Villapiano on the other day. You look at the Super Bowl eleven, <laughs> Then you look at the Super Bowl fifteen to 18 players. When you look at the era of Lyle Alzado and Twos and Millen, 
they were different than some of the earlier guys who came in, who came in at the late 60s into the 70s. Did Coach Flores actually coach wilder players and crazier players than even the great John Madden when you look back at it? I would say maybe other than John Matuzak. (laughs) But Coach Flores did coach him because when I was a rookie, the twos was there. And he used to come to Vegas, and they called me from Caesars Palace saying, hey, this guy, he's got all these beautiful women around him, but he's drunk. Uh, or he owes money, could you come and get him? And I said, <laughs> I don't have the money, kind of money to get him out of trouble that he's in. But, but, uh, but yeah, I would say no. Coach Madden had, you know, they, their, their defense, their, their defensive players, um, they created a built a reputation. But by far, uh, guys like John Matuzak, uh, guys like, uh, uh, Dave Casper, uh, uh, the Mad Stork, yeah. Lester Hayes. Uh, I mean, the list just goes on and on. Mike Haynes, classy guys. You know, Coach Flores did coach Upshaw and Shell, but, you know, he probably played with them guys too because they played forever. So the relationship, the full spectrum of being a player, an assistant coach, a head coach, a general my, a manager, gave Coach Flores probably – without question, of all the people in the Hall of Fame, maybe other than Al Davis, there I bet you there isn't one other guy that has all the credentials, all the experiences that Coach Flores had and has won on every level. Hey, Frank, lastly, if Coach Flores was sitting across from you today going into Canton, Ohio, what would you say to him? I'd say, ah, 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 fuck. I love you, man. That's the Al Davis way. I love Coach Flores. Like you say, once a Raider, always a Raider. But, you know, it's been long haul. We, we're glad he's there. Uh, we love him and everybody that has ever come in contact with him that I know has nothing but great things to say because he is a class guy. You're very generous with your time, especially giving it all to Tom Flores and your memories with, you, with him. We'll see you soon, Frank. I'll see you Alumni Weekend coming up here. I appreciate you, buddy. I look forward to it. You got it, Frank Hawkins, the Hawk. As the Raiders have done a great job lining me up players who played for Tom Flores and were not done, our big week is next week. 702-365-9200. Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate on the moving odds from a gambling perspective next. And sad news, ZZ top bassist Dusty Hill just passed away at the age of 72. He was Raider Nation friendly. We will play ZZ Top music the rest of the show in memory of Dusty Hill and the fun that he always had in Vegas. Well, we're a C, you know, we're an eight and eight. I think that's, you know, the best of the worst, the worst of the best. We have some good moments. We prove we can compete in the AFC West. You know, we're a couple plays away from, from being really good in the AFC West. And we prove we can compete on the road. And I'm hoping that I, I can um, somehow find a way to help our team compete better in our Allegiant Stadium here because it is a spectacular place. But uh, I'm not into grades. You know, I'm into winning championships. And we've got a long way to go. And we're confident that we're getting better. And, Um, We need our, our fans to help us, that's for sure.
Induction Day is coming soon. Here's JT the Brick. JT, back with you, and we're brought to you by Modelo, the official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders. Brewed as a model of what good beer should be, Modelo, proud partner of our show. Aaron Rodgers spoke to the media today. We welcome in Jeff Sherman from the Westgate Superbook, the VP of Risk Management. We always talk to him every two weeks from a gaming perspective. Jeff, let's begin with Aaron Rodgers' season win total, how you changed it with all the chaos, wondering if he'd show up or not, or if a trade was in the works, what changed or hasn't changed? Yeah, a lot went on over this past weekend from when we found out that uh, he was leaning towards retirement on Friday. We went ahead and took down a lot of the uh, options we had involving the Packers and raised the Packers up to 40-1 to for the Super Bowl. And then things changed rapidly, a lot of fluidity to the situation. Uh, and then when when they met his concessions and he, and he agreed to, to play this year, uh, we changed the win total from 9.5 wins, which was kind of a middle ground number, up to 10.5 flat, which is where we currently sit right now. Lowered the Super Bowl odds from 40 back down to 12, which is where we opened them when we first put these up. Wow, how many people, I mean, I don't need an exact number, but how many Sharps looked at that 40 number and jumped on it? Oh, we got some mostly uh, yesterday morning when uh, a lot of the mm. information was coming out. Uh, and, and it went. we had a few tickets, a $2,000 one here, some in Colorado. So uh, there were some people that were uh, getting that information that he was leaning towards coming back. Any movement on the Denver Broncos considering that was going to be the place if he was traded? Most people speculated he'd end up. Uh, we didn't have it too baked into that, so we didn't move anything with them. We still respect the Broncos. We know that they uh, need some quarterback improvement, but uh, all their other positions are pretty much solidified, and we're we're high on Denver this year, so we didn't make any adjustments. Jeff Sherman is our guest. There's two teams I want to talk about that I find interesting. Uh, one would be the Chargers. There's always a lot of love for the Chargers this time of year, and then the Chargers historically disappoint. I saw the number around nine, if I'm correct, with the Chargers on the season win total. Has there been a lot of play on L.A.? Not on the win total itself, but on them to win the Super Bowl. We're starting to see a lot mm. show up at 40-1. to 1. I took a $5,000 wager last week on them at 40-1, to 1, but we're still sitting there. But uh, there is some momentum for, for L.A. right now. And I'm also interested in the Washington football team because of the defense that they have, stability with Ryan Fitzpatrick, an eight-win team. Do people think that they have upside there? Any handle on Washington maybe winning the NFC instead of winning the Super Bowl? Now, it's been somewhat quiet on that mm. front so far. You know, There was some talk that maybe that would have been a, a nice landing spot for Rodgers, and uh, a large improvement there. But um, you know, we know what uh, Washington has right now, and uh, there hasn't been too much – a lot of momentum right now behind the Cowboys in that division. Yeah, and one more with the Rams, because there's a lot of love from Ram fans driving to Vegas and placing bets down on their way out before they sit in traffic. What can you tell us about the L.A. Rams? Well, they a big loss with Cam Akers uh, mm-hmm. being out for the year. And uh, considering that Rodgers coming back now, that is one adjustment that we did make was the Rams for the Super Bowl from 12 up to 14. A lot of news yesterday. First, Marc-Andre Fleury in hockey. When you take a look at the futures for next year and what happened to the Vegas Golden Knights and now what's happened to their goaltender, what was the reaction inside your book on that? You're a big fan. I know you go to games. Were you shocked by that move? Uh, I wasn't shocked. I mean, when reality sits in, it's tough. But uh, you knew they had to make some type of move. They went with the two goaltenders last year and that was an abbreviated season, and they didn't think they could do it again. And then you look at the contracts, and Leonard's younger and had a longer contract, so you figured they had to move someone, and 
it wasn't a total surprise to free it up, especially to bring Martinez back. But the move itself, it didn't uh, cause us to adjust any of the odds in the game itself in their opening game against Seattle. I did adjust it today with Grubauer going to Seattle, mm-hmm. but their futures, uh, we still have the Knights at 5-1, to one, and now I bump Colorado up to 11-2, to two, losing Grubauer. Jeff Sherman joins us from the Westgate. Tell us about the Olympics and who's betting the Olympics to handle and all the movement that we've seen, and what are some of the more popular events everyone's talking about and betting on? Well, it's uh, what everyone would expect, the most popular ones with the basketball, men's and women's, the soccer same fashion and then the golf which starts today at 3:30 pacific and that's treated just like an, a regular tour stop tournament so uh the, the ones that people have a lot of familiarity with are the ones that are seeing a lot of the betting handle well you have a tremendous background in golf tell me about the golf who's the favorite who do you like as an underdog here and again the united states golfers coming in after the news of john rahm and bryson dechambeau with covid yeah, t- tough adjustments at the top of that pretty much put Colin Morikawa as a default favorite coming off his Open Championship win. So he's sitting at 7-1, followed by Xander Shoffley at 9-1. to uh, Rory McIlroy, I've eased him out to 12-1. to He's not seeing too much action. But I think there's some guys in the 20-1 to range that you could look for this week. Uh, Cameron Smith, uh, Abraham Answer, guys like that that could uh, have some value to them if you look beyond the guys at the top of the leaderboard. Jeff Sherman at Golf Odds. Follow him at Golf Odds. I saw you posted the uh, MB- MVP of the NBA. You set the odds for that. Uh, I was surprised to see this after what Giannis did last year. He's second to Luka Doncic at 5-1. to one. And talk about the value on LeBron James, who you would assume would be coming in really motivated and thought he was putting up MVP numbers until he got injured. Yeah, it was a it's a fun market to set, and there's just there's a lot of guys in play a lot more than in previous years. But uh, with Doncic carrying that team, you know, I have Giannis second choice only because, uh, especially with the Bucks winning the title, I don't think they're going to put such a premium on the regular season as they as mm-hmm. some other teams might. And you're going to see that with Dallas trying to get their seeding. So I expect Doncic to play more of the season unless he gets injured. And with LeBron at this stage of his career. I'm expecting some of his point production to fall off a bit and get the teammates involved even more than what he's doing. So I can see his assists, maybe rebounds going up, but uh, I've eased him out to higher numbers than he had been in previous seasons. Wrapping it up with Jeff Sherman, I want to move to baseball where the Dodgers are really struggling against the Giants. The big error last night by Bellinger. The Yankees look to be sellers, I believe, more so than buyers. Otani's been incredible here, but the Angels aren't going to make a run at the championship. What about the Padres? Tell me about a couple of teams that you think are coming that are pretty good value here right now when we take a look at winning the World Series. Well, just what you mentioned there with the Padres. I mean, they just made an aggressive trade with Pittsburgh a few days ago. And the trade deadline is on Friday, so I think that there, you're going to see some more movement, and it's going to be really interesting to see who might, if they can, get Max Scherzer, because the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres are all vying for him, and that could be a key change. You got it. I'll be down at the Westgate over the weekend. As always, love having you on, Jeff. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, JT. That's Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management at the Superbook. We have him on from a gaming perspective. Every two weeks to take a look at the moving odds. If you're gambling, we want to put people on this show that can give you a gambling edge. Luka Doncic, favored to win the MVP. I, I would agree with that. I think Luka's going to get to the point where he starts winning an MVP or two just the way Giannis did. Giannis came out of nowhere, the Greek freak. He's got two MVPs under his belt already and a championship. 
I think Luka Doncic is going to do the same thing. Multiple MVPs, and eventually, and probably pretty soon, win a championship if Dallas can get him a little bit more help. 702-365-9200. Derek Carr spoke, and we'll hear from him at the top of the hour, some of the sound bites from his press conference where I was at today. And then we'll reset with what we opened up the show with. Who's the one player on the Raiders you're putting on notice at the start of camp? It's the start of camp. I'm inside the building. I can't come up with a better topic than that on Raider Nation Radio.